So I want to catch you up. If you haven't been here in a while or spring break, you just lost all memory of what we've done in Revolution for the past several weeks um, because you were just having so much fun. Hey, the good news is after spring break, you can see the finish line of school, right? I mean, it's not far off. Summer's coming. And for a lot of you, that means rush is coming. And we're getting closer and closer to rush. So, so it's going to be good, man. Um, so let me catch you up on Look Up, though. Where we've been, what we've been talking about the past several weeks so that it makes sense what we're going to talk about tonight. So we've tried to change our perspective. Like this whole idea of looking up is all about us stopping looking down at, at our trouble, our stress, our pain, our anguish, our anger, and ultimately ourselves. Get the focus off of us and, and shift our gaze up, look up, look to God for our help. We're getting that from Psalm 121 verses 1 and 2. It says, I lift my, light, my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. So we're looking up to God for our help. But we're not just looking and not knowing what we're looking for. We're, we know what we're looking for. We're actually looking for this light that's in the darkness because we live in a very dark world. We live in all kinds of messed up stuff going around and going on, um, not only in our own community, in Paulding, Cobb, Douglas, Bartow counties all around here, and not just in Georgia, not just in America, but in the world. I mean, there's messed up stuff going on all over the place. It's a dark, dark place we live in, but there's a light shining in the darkness, and that's what we're looking for. And that light came into the world as a baby. It grew into a man. He was perfect. He lived a life differently than anyone else lived it, and he also died differently than anyone else And he died because of us. He died because of you. He died because of me. He died for love, ultimately, for his love for us. And now that light has gone out. So we left off three weeks ago, two weeks ago. It was two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, we left off reading about this Jesus who was on a cross, and the earth shook and the earth got dark. The sun stopped shining. It literally grew dark as Jesus died on this cross. And we've, we talked about the fact that Jesus died to take on all of our sin, all of our junk, all the stuff you've ever done wrong, all the stuff I've ever done wrong. He took that stuff on himself. And he's the only one who could because he's the only one who didn't have anything there already. Because he never sinned. He never did anything wrong. So he could actually take it on himself because he had never done anything before. He had room for it. None of us would have room for it. None of us could die for anybody else's sins. It wouldn't work. For him, it would. And so he goes on this cross and he dies because, like we said just a second ago, he loves us. So we're going to pick up the story in Matthew 27. Jesus has just died on the cross. They've taken him down. And this is where we're going to pick up the story. It says, the next day... The one after preparation day, the chief priests and the Pharisees went to Pilate. They said, sir, they said, we remember that while he was still alive, the deceiver said, the deceiver is, they're talking about Jesus there, said, after three days, I will rise again. So give the order from the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal the body and tell the people that he has been raised from the dead. This last deception will be worse than the first. Take a guard, Pilate answered. Go and make the tomb as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting the guard. So 
The people that sent Jesus to the cross and killed him, he's now in a tomb. There's a stone in front of the tomb. They're worried that the disciples are going to take his body and try to fake as if Jesus has been resurrected because he said something about that before he died. He was kind of giving people a heads up. Hey, I'm going to die, but when I die, I'm not going to stay dead. And so they're nervous about this, and they're like, man, if they fake this and make people think he raised from the dead when he didn't, we're going to have an even bigger problem on our hands than when he was alive. So they're scared of it. They put guards in front of the door. They seal the door up so no one can mess with the body. No one can go in and take Jesus out. No one can cause any more of a disturbance in Jerusalem, and nobody can make this into a a bigger deal. So Jesus' tomb is now sealed, it's guarded to ensure nothing happens to his body. So the whole reason that was a worry is because Jesus had said this is going to happen, right? And so apparently they don't think he's a complete liar because they're a little bit worried about this. They're worried about the fact that somebody's going to take his body and fake like he did it. But I, I, I feel like maybe they're a little bit worried that it might really happen. <laughs> you know, it's like. Okay, well, if this really happens, we lock that joker in there. He doesn't have food or water. He'll just die again. Like, they're worried and nervous about this thing. So let's, let's keep reading Matthew 28, see what happens. It says, After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, going to the tomb, rolled back the stone, and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He's risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples. He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasping his feet, and worshipped him. So we see Jesus no longer dead, but alive. The light that had gone out that was dark is now shining into the darkness again, And the difference this time is this light is never going to go out. This light is going to stay lit and it's going to shine in the darkness from now until forever because what he came to accomplish, he accomplished. And so now when we look up and we look to our help, we're not just looking and it's just darkness. We see this bright shining light in the darkness. It's Jesus because he's risen from the dead. And this angel just shows up. I love this part of the story because he, he shows up out of nowhere. The earth quakes again. It had quaked and, and shook when he died. And now it's shaking again when he comes back to life. So literally creation is like reacting to Jesus. And then this angel just shows up and sits on the rock at the tomb. And I love that the angel doesn't even acknowledge the guards, right? There's two guards there. They see the angel show up. He he's, looks like lightning and he's like all white and shiny. And then he just ignores them because they're like dead men, it says. So apparently they're petrified. I'm imagining they're going to need a change of wardrobe after this. 
meaning they peed themselves. And, and he doesn't even acknowledge them. He just looks to the ladies that were there and he's like, hey, I know you're, don't be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus and just go ahead and look in there. He's not in there. So the stone rolled away. The ladies were already there. So they see the stone roll away. They see the angels sitting on the stone. No one comes out of the tomb and he's like, I know you're here to see Jesus. Go ahead and go in there. He's not in there. So it's not like Jesus needed the angel to roll the stone away for him to exit the tomb. Jesus was just gone. And they go in and they look and they see that he's not there. We look at another gospel and we see Peter and John go into the tomb and they find the same thing, that no one's there. And so they walk out. The angel is, is like, hey, he's, he's going to meet you in Galilee. Like He's gone ahead of you. You're going to find him. You're going to see him. And then go tell the disciples what's going on. And exactly as the angel said, they see Jesus. Jesus appears and he talks to them. And so they can't do anything but just fall down in his feet, grab his ankles, and just start worshiping him. What, why are they doing this? Like, why, why are they reacting so strongly? Well, I think all of us would react pretty strongly if somebody we loved was dead and then now they're not dead, right? I think we're all going to freak out a little bit and we're all just going to be super thankful And so that's, what, that's how these ladies are reacting. But it, it's more than that with Jesus. It's more than that with Jesus because this, this whole thing that just happened has implications. Like it affects them and even us in huge, huge ways, okay? This is why Easter is such a big deal. This is why we talk about it every single year. This is why we celebrate it every single year. This is why we have massive Easter egg hunts. And this is why we have the uh, live nativity things. I mean, this is why we do all this stuff because the resurrection is huge. Changes everything. So if you look at Romans 6 verse 4, it gives you an idea of what this thing is that's been changed. It says, says this, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So Jesus' death and resurrection makes it possible for us to get this new resurrected life. Did you know that before Jesus and without Jesus, we are dead? We're wandering around in the darkness. It's impossible to know where you're going without having what in darkness? Light. You have to have light. The only light in this world is Jesus. So without him, we're wandering around the darkness. We're basically dead people walking. We're like zombies. Walking around in the dark, stumbling around, trying to figure, figure it out. But we're not going to ultimately get anywhere. And so this death and resurrection of Jesus changes all of that because it gives us access to a light that, number one, is eternal. It lasts forever. It enables us to see God for who he is. It enables us to see who we are. It enables us to see the world and the people in it for what they are. And it enables us to actually live. We become alive when we come to know Jesus. We get to know who we actually are, what we were made for. 
we start to experience things that are real and the full version of them. So like love, right? Love is the universal thing that all of us kind of hear about, we know about, we experience it in some way or another. But you don't get the full spectrum of love until you know God. How do you know that? Well, because the Bible says that God is love. If you don't know God, do you know love? Not fully. I think you get glimpses of it. I think you get little shades of it here and there. God made us in his image. There's, there's elements of that in us, but we don't fully get it and grasp it until we get God. And Jesus is how we get God. And so this resurrection from the dead, conquering all of our sin. Remember, he died on the cross for our sin, right? He took that on him. So when he died, he killed our sin. Then when he raised himself back up from the dead, he took away that, that punishment for sin that, that is supposed to be for us. And he didn't take away the physical death. He took away the spiritual death for us. So now when we die, these bodies, these physical bodies die, our spiritual bodies get to continue to live with God forever. And eventually we'll be redeemed with these new awesome physical bodies. And I don't know what that's going to look like, but it's going to be really cool. And so this all is possible because of the resurrection. Because Jesus conquered it. It's not possible because you are a good person. It's not possible because I am a good person. It's not possible because we've read the Bible before. It's not possible because we don't cuss. It's not possible because we, you know, have been uh, nice and given some people some of our lunch at the lunch table. Like, we can't do enough good stuff to earn our way into this. Like, Jesus offers it to all of us, but it's only him that can do it. He was the only one possible of doing this thing. But because he's raised from the dead, we know it's now possible. And so one question I always have is like, okay, what was going on the three days? Why he's dead? Like, why is he dead three days? He was actually doing stuff in those three days. He was going into hell and getting the keys to hell and coming back. I can't imagine what that journey is like. And then when he comes back, He's, he's conquered it all for us. And we, we see evidence of this in Revelation chapter one, verse 18. I love this verse. Check this out. It says, I am the living one. And this is Jesus talking. I am the living one. I was dead and now look, I'm alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. So Jesus now has the keys to death and Hades. Another word for hell. He's got the keys to that stuff and he can unlock our prison of sin in order for us to now be free. Have you ever heard that like sin locks you down, like it, it keeps you kind of imprisoned? And it's totally true. Like you've probably experienced that, that sin that maybe you just can't stop doing and it seems like you feel guilty about it all the time. You feel like you've done something wrong all the time. That's a prison of sin. Like that's, that's what sin does to us. But Jesus sets us free from that. And not just from the, the here and now of dealing with that sin, but he frees us from the consequence of that sin, Right? And so because of him doing that, we now get this chance to stand in this light and to know Jesus. And so all of this, the death on the, on the cross, the resurrection from the dead, it leads us to this place of, of response. It's like, what do I do with this? Because some of us have been in revolution for, I don't know, some weeks, 
maybe months, maybe a year, maybe two, I don't know. But you've gotten to where you know how to play church, you know? Like, you know, like, some of the right answers to the small group questions. You know, like, usually if you say Jesus, you're probably right to a question, right? You know, at certain moments, you're supposed to close your eyes and bow your head. You know, at certain moments, you're supposed to pray. You know, at certain moments, you're supposed to be quiet. I mean, you know these things. You know how to play church. But playing church isn't knowing Jesus. And so when you're faced with the reality of who Jesus actually is and what he actually did and what Easter is all about, this is Easter week. You got to do something with that, you know? So you have an opportunity to accept it and be like, dude, I want that. I need that. And embrace him. Accept him as your savior and start this lifelong journey of knowing Jesus. I did it when I was 10. And I've been learning more and more ever since. Figuring out what it looks like to follow Jesus ever since. And everybody's story is different. Some people, they do it when they're five. Some people, they do it when they're 10. Some people do it when they're in middle school. Some people do it when they're in high school. Some people do it when they're 50, 60, right before they die. Like it can happen at any point. Jesus offers himself all of the time. But you have an opportunity here and now to to take that step, to respond with acceptance of who Jesus is and getting him. Then some of us in here have known Jesus for a while. Maybe you accepted him a few years ago or maybe it was this year. But you know family, you know friends that have no idea what this light is. They've never stepped into the light. They've never known the light. All they've known is darkness their whole life. And so for you, you might need to react and respond with, man, I need to pray for some people who don't know this. I might need to invite somebody who doesn't know this to an Easter service. We told you guys the past couple weeks that we've got six different Easter services this weekend. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. If your family doesn't go to church anywhere, man, this is a great opportunity for you to invite them because the Friday and Saturday services are at night, so nobody's got to wake up early. So maybe they're up for going. It's an hour-long service. It's right in the same room that you guys meet in every Wednesday night. And so here's how we're going to do this. If you've never accepted Jesus then the invitation is to you to accept him. How do you do that, Brad? Well, you just confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and the Bible says you'll be saved. And you can do that just right at your seat, but I wanna I want invite you if you feel comfortable to just come to the front and kneel down, not as like you have to kneel down to accept Jesus, but it's just kind of symbolic of God, I'm surrendering myself. I know I need you. And so I'm crying out for, for you to save me. What's awesome about God is he always says yes. Always. So some of you, that maybe is what you need to do. And then for others of you, you might need to lift up those family members we were talking about a second ago. And so we've been doing something as a church on Sunday mornings. We get these dots on the wall against the back of the, of the room back here. And so if you have somebody that just you know you need to pray for and then you're wanting to pray for for them to accept Jesus, and maybe you're committing to bring them to an Easter service, I want you to just write their first name on a dot. And I don't want you to write on like five or six dots, just one dot, and maybe you write two names, maybe it's mom and dad. Maybe it's just the first name of your best friend. Maybe it's the first name of your brother or sister. Maybe it's a cousin. I don't know who it is, but whoever God puts on your heart, you just wanna write their name down to commit to God that I'm gonna pray for them, and I'm gonna try to reach out to them just with God's love and help them know Jesus at some point. 
And then for some of you, maybe you just need to sit and worship and we're gonna, we're gonna sing one more song and just worship God for who he is and what he's done. So I'm gonna pray and after I pray, you respond how you need to. If it's you need to come forward and just accept Jesus, awesome, do it. If it's you need to get up and go to the back and go to the, the dots and write a name down, do that. If it's you need to sit in your seat, close your eyes and listen to these words, then do that. But let it just be those things. Nobody needs to start talking about what you're doing tomorrow or what you're doing tonight. Don't chat about anything. Just sit there, take it in, respond how you need to respond, okay? All right, let's pray. God, thank you so much for the fact that you came, you died, but you didn't stay dead, God. You raised Jesus up from the dead. And so I just pray that those that need to accept you would do that. I pray that those that need to commit to praying and reaching out to friends and family, they would do that. That if we need to just sit there and worship you right now, that we would do that. But whatever it is we need to do, I pray that you would guide us to that thing. We would be bold and, and, and just do whatever it is you're calling us to do right now, God. But above all, we thank you. We worship you and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.